Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. There is a man who is always in the town's jail cell. You keep releasing him, but he always shows back up. He calls himself Del's soul. No one else in town, including other hunters, can see or hear him. You have a key lock box that's currently sealed. For her specifically, I think that there are several tins of opium. Thing the second, uh, I am to not un- under any means uh, interrupt your bath time. And I, I know that... You failed. Looking around the prior home, how do we know that they've tried just about everything to make the ghostly cattle rustler go away? If you were to enter the prior home, and if you knew the Carson's troubles, you'd swear that maybe the curse had migrated. Our third question, how does Avery Pryor protect his family until he can retrieve the ghost begun? He's got his family boarded up into one bedroom. The door is locked and he's boarded the door. Avery drinks the ghost begone. And instead, the ghost just continues to move toward him. Cattle rustler wrestles him to the ground. Something in the ghost of the cattle rustler pulls the spirit from Avery Pryor's body. What I'll do for you instead is I will give you two clues across the night phase for for Ghost Be Gone. He finds a wanted poster with a picture that looks oddly like Marshall Jefferson Stockley, but with a different name. There's a man who's been standing there watching the whole affair. He twirls his own well-oiled mustache as the crowd disperses into the night. And so ends the night of lonesomeness, huh? Mm Once again, dawn, day, breaks in El Paso. The wounded night, for last night at least, has passed, although many events, of course, transpired during it. But to the marshal specifically, uh, we're going to be announcing a new threat this day phase, one that was introduced with the end of our night phase. Marshal, this is the bounty hunter threat. Someone has been following you but you've not been able to see who they are or what they look like. All you have are glimpses, dark clothing in your peripheral vision, a brooding figure in a window's reflection. This morning, uh, this will have been in a scene that preceded this one. Eli Shields, the gravedigger, told you a man came to him asking about someone fitting your exact description, but their name was Jamie Little. The mysterious man pressed a wanted poster into Eli's hands. He gave it to you. It showed an alleged criminal who looks like you when you were younger. Accused of a crime you certainly could have committed back then, but it's not you. The man told Eli to tell you he's staying at the Riverview Hotel should you wish to turn yourself in and save this town a mountain of grief. So, a question for you. What crime is Jamie Little accused of? 
that could be something you did, but isn't. Wagon robbery that had pay for like a company's employees for that month. So you like could have robbed a wagon mm-hmm. uh, that had a company's whole whole monthly pay. Okay, love that. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, Jamie Little was uh, accused of wagon robbery. Yeah. An additional detail that you get to flesh out. Grave robber Eli described to you the bounty hunter and something in his description confirms that the bounty hunter is a revenant, an undead stalker seeking revenge or justice. What did Eli describe to you that made you know that? They had a sickly, like, yellowish skin Mm -hmm. to their face that he saw. So they had a a very uh, sallow, I think is the word. Sallow pallor. Sallow pallor. Yeah. That's that uh, South American city, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) An extra detail that Eli gives you is that he sports a mustache very similar to your own. I include that because in the the post scene mm. of the night phase he he twiddled his yeah. oiled mustache david yeah i want to do a thing what do you want to do i think that i know that it's probably just for pat to to answer but yeah. but but what if we all went around and gave him a i mean that gives me less description to come up for with myself yeah hell yeah everybody if you we'll start with uh you emma because i have uh, a good idea give me a detail for what makes a revenant uh, he wears sunglasses um, because when he doesn't have the sunglasses glasses on, he ain't got no eyes. He ain't got no eyes. Is that why our, our dear brother over here also wears sunglasses? <laughs> I think he wears sunglasses because the day is, is hot and sunny and he has eyes. <laughs> that we know of. Yeah. That we know of. Oh, fair, fair. I mean, listen, smoke glasses back then weren't exactly super opaque. That's true. He could have two glass eyes. You never know. <laughs> I guess. He, he actually travels via echolocation. <laughs> uh, hey, Daredevil is Catholic. True. <laughs> That's the name of this episode. <laughs> Daredevil is Catholic. Oh, Christ. Uh, Dave, Gwen, do you have any uh, detail you want to add? What, what what makes a revenant? What's a visual or it doesn't have to be visual. It could be any sensual detail. His veins are are visible. And Ooh. they look almost black. I was about to call you out. It's like my veins are very visible. <laughs> okay, well, but they're they're, they're very visible. <laughs> they're not black, though. How about, how about you, Dave? What's the detail? Revenants have to have some sort of sign on them of, as to how they died. Like mm. a revenant mm. who died via drowning, maybe some of their hair or loose sparkles of glowing will flow as in unseen underwater currents. A gunshot wound, there'll be a mark or always a, a constant hole in their clothing, no matter what they're wearing at the time that's over where they were shot, that sort of thing. So that sign would depend entirely on how this Revenant met their end. No matter what shirt he's wearing, no matter what pattern or design it has, the the design gets muddled and, and twisted and blurry down near his midsection, his belly, 
with several spots where, like, say, if it's plaid, it goes from being straight and uniform to warped and crooked, focusing around six spots that look strangely like bullet holes, like someone unloaded their revolver into his gut and left him to die. Oof. I love that. See, the good marshal would have just shot him in the head. One shot kill. <laughs> like, you know, he would miss. I don't carry a gun on me. Not anymore. But back in the day. Oh. Back, back when you were robbing carts. Oh. Okay. Excellent. Well, with our revenant fleshed out, or at least some of the details that accompanies them, to conclude the introduction of this threat, uh, Marshall, you aren't the person the revenant is after. And the most straightforward course of action, well, you aren't Jamie Little. You've committed crimes like this, Jamie. I was about to say, because I'm real disappointed if I don't get to pick my real name. You get to pick your real name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, You aren't the person the Revenant is after. And the most straightforward course of action would be to lure the creature to you and destroy it. Unfortunately, this incident could cause the people of El Paso to question your past and to discover the crimes you actually did commit. In order to maintain your reputation as a leader in this town, you'll have to prove your innocence to the bounty hunter and potentially to your neighbor. So that is our bounty hunter threat. Uh, Questions and opportunities that come with this, there's only one, which is how can we prove the marshal's innocence? That is a complexity of four. uh, And you'll be able to resolve this threat by convincing the bounty hunter and El Paso that it's a case of mistaken identity. You want I should kill him, boss? (laughs) Well, I think the problem with the Revenant is they're already dead. <laughs> That's exactly why. Mm. The Revenant shouldn't be here. They should have been long gone. They're brought back by the Wounded Knight. Currently, the only one who's aware of this threat is the Marshal. You were the one who was told this morning well, by, by Eli. Well, that this. and Eli knows about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Eli, the grave robber, knows about it. Um, Wait, yeah. he's a grave robber? Well, he's a grave digger, sorry. I was about to say, why haven't I arrested this man if <laughs> he's a grave he's a robber? Grave digger. I, I misspoke, or did I? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, you're going to have to patch that a couple of times in your description or re-record some of that. Oh. You definitely said the grave robber a couple of times. I'll fix it in pose. Anyway. So, this threat exists uh, and is particularly relevant to the marshal, but it could be relevant to any of you as the day phase conducts, but especially once we get to night. As the night, I will remind you, belongs to me. Especially now that no more pesky assemblages could be called. Yeah, I can't call another assemblage until Ghost Be Gone is taken care of. Because it was an active threat at the time. My keeper powers have returned! Uh, in the day phase, you all kind of just get to go about and do what you want to do. So let's kind of get uh, finger in the pulse here. What do you want to do during this day phase? What are some scenes that we we should angle for? Apparently... At least I have to be there to get a, I'll call it a tour of. Yeah. Of Jebediah F. Clarkson's operation. Yeah. Uh, And then I would like to have a conversation with Del Sol at some point. But that requires me to be at the uh, jail. Yeah. I says that I can only talk to him at the jail. Yeah. I kind of think that you should start off at the jail. I'm doing paperwork or something. Yeah, it's like jail slash my office, your office, right? Yeah, Um, because that also then gives that's usually what you see, at least in Western movies, that the sheriff has like a desk and then the jail cells are like 
There's I like, also weirdly managed like imagine that like part of the sheriff's office is also or sheriff's building. He's, he's the 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 marshal. Just it's the jailhouse. It's the jailhouse. Yeah, yeah. Because a marshal is different than a sheriff. Yeah, you're right. So let's let's put a pin on that. Um, I'd also lie. like to clear a condition because I have two. And there's only three lines. What happens when I get a third condition? Nothing happens when you get a third condition. But if you get a fourth condition, uh, you have to start putting on masks. Yeah. Um, and you can choose to either replace one of your conditions with that new condition, or you can choose to just avoid the condition by taking a mask. Okay. But, I mean, if unless you have a bath at the courthouse, which I doubt, I, I think your day is going to... No, I established that I take my baths at, at your, the Golden yeah. Sun Cup. Yeah. Ah, uh, wait, we can do this. Yeah. If Angel could be at the sheriff's station or at the marshal's office. Yeah, at, at the jail. At the jail. Sharpening her knives, her vice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we could have a conversation before you do your conversation with the other person you want to have a conversation with. Uh- I was about to say you would you would have to leave for that because it says in the move that he only appears to the marshal. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine because Angel is then going to go back to her salon or her saloon. Uh, her salon. <laughs> in order to do some chemistry with uh, with what she Ooh. just bought. So I love that. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so okay. she's got plenty of plans, but I figure the two of them can have a talk and she always has her knives on her. Yeah. So you're a well well protected uh woman woman about yes. town. Okay. What's really funny is that the saloon owner carries knives on her at all time, and yet the only known well, I shouldn't say only known lawman because that would be discrediting Wainwright, but the only uh, the uh, highest lawman in the yeah, the highest lawman in the town doesn't even carry a gun on him. <laughs> Why do you think she needs to carry? He's not the one protecting his girls from all those drunk men trying to That's get point. That's fair. extra fresh or trying to rob her. That's fair. They make money. <laughs> <laughs> they make money at that saloon. <laughs> Lorelai, yeah. what's, you, what's your plan for the day? Well, I would also like to be there for the the going to see Jebediah Clarkson's stuff yeah. going on. Probably before that, I have a scene that I want to do that involves uh, picking some flowers. Okay, well, we'll get we'll get to that then. Uh, well, I, I think from how I'm currently conceiving this, I think our visit to Jebediah F. Clarkson's operation is probably going to be the last thing of the day phase. Okay. Um, Because it sounds like several people might be interested in joining for that. And so we'll do everyone else's other stuff first and then we'll get I miss what w- what else was uh Brother Gideon going to do? We haven't gotten to Gideon yet. Oh. Yeah. We're about, about to ask. Brother Gideon, what are you doing this day? Let's see. I'm trying to remember because I kind of want him to go poking around where he thinks the ghost might be. Which would probably mean the cart. Which probably means having to wrangle with what's his butt. Okay. Do we know at this point that Avery Pryor died last night? You will. Okay. Will we know that before we go talk to Dr. Clarkson? Okay. Good. Good. So it sounds then like 
Brother Gideon, at the very least, is interested in attending later when you all go to the cart. Uh, is there anything else Gideon wants to do during the day? Like, it could be a... <laughs> I play too much Brindlewood Bay. I was going to say, it could be a cozy move. Uh, no, it could be the equivalent... Vulnerable. Vulnerability, yeah. It could be a, could be a vulnerable move. You could engage in your vice uh, with another one of the hunters. In which you want to come take a, a bath with me? <laughs> you don't. You your day is packed. I don't think the marshal has time for a bath today. You're right. <laughs> I'm partaking in angels. That's right. Vice. Well, angels partaking in her vice, and you're there for it, which lets you per- participate. I'm just imagining like sitting there while Angel is sharpening her knives, and Marshall's just looking down at his watch, like oh, I got to be over to the sun cup in a little bit to go take a bath with Gideon. <laughs> yeah. For a bathtub date. <clears throat> Actually, something that could happen is Brother Gideon could go and visit the prior family, seeing as they just lost their father. And he probably would be one of the first people to know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Also, actually, okay. in my narration of yeah. the uh unseen scene, I had said that Avery had locked his family in a bedroom and then boarded up the door. Somebody has to let him out. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, or they broke up. There might be a window on the other side. Fair enough. I had forgotten that you boarded up the door, though. That's fun. I had said that he had locked and boarded up the door to the bedroom that he had put his family in. In in which case, I think then the Avery Pryor news, I had a couple of ideas for how it might come through. But actually, I like the idea of somebody going to you, Brother Gideon. uh, And we'll just kind of figure out where you want to set that scene. And they'll come to you and talk to you about the situation. and, And we'll do something there. And that case, I, I def- definitely know where they where they meet Brother Gideon. Then, okay, because just because I don't have a condition that I, that's pressing to clear, Brother Gideon's going to be at the bar. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's good for me because we already have sound design bits for the bar, so I can just throw those in the background, and that's lovely yeah. for me. So. <laughs> love that, love that. So then, let me ask. Uh, I I want to come to. I think I want to do Gideon's after we do the one with the marshal at the jailhouse, which uh, Angel's also present for. As far as order of operations, Lorelai, when do you think we should do flower scene? We could do it up top. Uh, if it's interesting, I, I'm happy to do that. It's going to be um, interesting. Okay. Lorelai. Yeah. Where are these flowers? Where are you in town? Are we anywhere near a river? I mean, we just announced that the Riverview Hotel uh, is in El Paso, which if there's a Riverview Hotel, I'm presuming there's, there's got to be a river. The, does the Rio Grande go through El Paso? El Paso receives nearly half its annual water supply from the Rio Grande. Cool. Okay. Off the banks of the Rio Grande, just a little bit, there is a field, a small field of flowers around there uh, that are like boggy marsh type flowers. So she is out and it's like, it's sunny. It's a sunny day. Water is, uh, is rushing by, probably. It's the water is rushing by because it's, the Rio Grande, and it does yeah. that. Uh, and <laughs> it is Big River. She's That's its name. She's humming. She's humming some old song that probably nobody alive would recognize. Something she learned from somebody that she walked to Cha-cha-sly. the other side. Cha-cha slide. <laughs> nobody alive would uh, would recognize that one at this point in time. Plus, it's a callback to our setup episode. It's not the cha-cha slide, but thank you for your submission, Patrick. I appreciated it. <laughs> thank you for your input. Then we um, got back. She's picking flowers with her gloves so that they're still alive. She has a 
a jar. We'll go with a jar, like a mason jar, with her that once she finishes picking the flowers that she wants to pick, she fills up with some water from the river. And then she heads back to her house. I don't know if I've described where Lorelai lives. I think really the yet. setup, I, if I recall correctly, she lives in her host house, which I believe is just the schoolhouse. That's what I thought I remembered. It's like a one room schoolhouse. I vaguely remember you saying that your host was a, was the school marm. Yeah, she is. She was. There hasn't been much in the way of public education since the wounded knight really got going. Uh, so she hasn't really been that part of of a person for the town, which is probably for the best. She could certainly tell you some things about history, but I don't know that she would necessarily has much in the way of bedside manner with kids. Anyway, so she goes into her house, passes through the area that is still set up to be a schoolhouse with the, the desks and the slates and the, and the pencils and such. Passes through that space. There's like a curtain at the back that she moves out of the way into the kitchen into the pantry picks up a tin of opium because that's the thing that I established is in there slips that into uh, the pocket of her skirt and then heads into the bedroom I don't know that Lorelai sleeps I guess she probably does because her body needs to sleep yeah okay so in, in the bedroom uh, into the closet where there is a sealed locked box that she uh, takes a key, a very old rusted key, um, and unlocks and breaks the, the seal on, opens. It's just empty. And she places the vase of flowers and the opium tin into the box and then seals it again and then locks it again. You mentioned earlier that Lorelai does sleep, or has to, for for her host. What does Lorelai dream about? Does she dream of experiences of her host's life? Does she dream of something from her own? Because from what I assume, I don't believe prior to being in the situation that Lorelai slept at all. I don't imagine so. Lorelai, of course, the the host did, but death Death did not sleep. Yeah, I don't think death did. So what is dreaming like for you now? I really like the idea that Lorelai still dreams like Lorelai dreamt. That whatever sort of dreams the host had before are the same sort of dreams that that death now experiences while being in Lorelai's body. I think that she dreams about being at home with her mother and her little sister who is like perpetually four or five years old. Um, she has dreams about riding on a, more of your classic idea of a carriage with a couple of horses and holding on to like a hat as she's on that carriage as it moves and the wind rushes past. Um, and there's a man there who's laughing with her. I think that she dreams of the ocean, which is 
where Lorelai originally grew up. I'm imagining her as originally being from the East Coast. Before moving out. Mm -hmm. I love that. We pass from the schoolhouse, uh, which I'm imagining in town proper, not like the main drag or anything, but it is part of the town. We pan over to just off of the main drag. We pan to the jailhouse where the marshal holds office and also where oftentimes in the mornings, such as these, especially after the events of last night, members of the vigilance committee tend to, to gather or appear Marshall, you are in your office. What is the layout of this room? When you open the door to the jailhouse, it's an open floor plan for the most part. Mm -hmm. If you walk through the door, the marshal's office is a closed off office to the left of the door. And then Deputy Wainwright sits off to the right in an open floor plan. At like a, a small desk, at a desk in front of the three cells. Yeah. His office is his also bedroom. So there's like a bed and a couch in his office. And then also his desk and like a file cabinet. So Marshall, uh, this morning it's uh, probably a little bit after nine. Sun, sun up mm-hmm. was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just after sunrise that you were visited by Eli who told you about this person that he'd seen, who, who gave him this information for you, that they're waiting for you, that they believe you to be this Jamie Little person um, who the bounty hunter spoke to Eli about. But that all happened earlier. That's on your mind, but you have paperwork to do. You have your job to do. There's, there's other things arresting your attention currently. You certainly have business this morning because in your office with you is Angel Flynn, uh, purveyor of the town's most significant saloon establishment. Uh, perhaps only, we haven't been clear in the, in the rest of this game so far, uh, but it's certainly the premiere. Angel, what brought you here this morning? What did you want to discuss with the marshal? Angel, sitting on the marshal's desk with her foot uh, on the guest chair, sharpening her knives, puts the bottle of Ghosts Be Gone that she purchased last evening on the desk. Marshal Jefferson Stockley, uh, I know many of you other council members were displeased that I purchased this file from that charlatan last evening, but I wanted to let you know, especially because I will be unavailable for several hours this morning, that I did so with the intent of reverse engineering, identifying the ingredients within this potion to find out what he has put in this that he is feeding to our town and making such outrageous claims. We both know that there's no way that this works. The marshal will take his feet off his desk and scoot his chair in closer to the desk and lean over the desk a little bit to almost like get a more intimate conversation with Angel and say, 
What do you mean by reverse engineer? She stopped sharpening her knives. It means take what is here, break it down, and figure out how I could make it myself. You believe that you'll be able to do that? Marshall, I believe you'd be quite surprised at the things I can do. <laughs> Marshall's leaning in close. So. <laughs> I don't know about the Marshall, but I'm a little hot. Miss Angel, I do believe you to be a woman with quite a large set of skills. So if you say that this is possible, I'll leave you to do it. And I expect to get a report from you later on today, if that's possible. Indeed, I want you to be as well armed as possible. Now, ma'am, you know I don't carry a gun. Oh, there's more than one way to be armed. You could be armed with the most powerful of weapons, information. The good book. (laughs) (laughs) You're not here. Yes. Yes. That was funny, though. Uh, I Perfect cutting us out of the God bless space Gideon. for a second. Uh, um, sorry, what is it that we need to do in order for him to be able to wipe out one of his conditions? So you just need to have an intimate moment. Okay. Um, I'd I say this has been intimate. It's, it's been intimate. She straight up flirted with me. I think I, that's I, intimate. I think that's sufficient. And you talked about her large set. That's right. Large skills. set of skills. Thank you very much. <laughs> a large set of skills. Uh, huge tracks of land. I think the Marshall is too busy a man to have her settle down. That's true. Marshall is all business. Marshall is all business. I don't recall anyone asking to settle down. So, <laughs> what? okay, so I think, I think, I think we've, we've met the, the conditions of the move. In addition to being able to clear a condition, both of you, please clear a condition. Uh, if you have one, I guess you don't have any currently, um, Angel, but Marshall, which uh, condition are you going to clear? I think it makes more sense to clear chill to the bone because I don't expect badly bruised to go away in a day. That's fair. Certainly not without a nice hot bath. And since we laid to rest the spirit responsible for chilling me to the bone, I feel like the chill would go away. And since you specifically said that you were getting a little hot. That's right. That's true. That's true. I got warmed by Angel. (laughs) Nothing like getting a little little hot and bothered to warm up after a cold, cold day and night. So, in addition to clearing conditions, which we've just done, you also get to either stumble upon a clue that you make up, Angel, or you get to invite the other hunter, in this case, Marshall, to ask you about your past in the course of this conversation. And you must answer truthfully, but not necessarily completely. Um, so, either of those options are available to you. She asked me a question or I asked her a question? Basically, she, she can have you ask her a question of your oh. choice, and then she has to answer it. I like that one. I've already got a question. Well, well hey, there's also uh, a stumbling on a clue, which is helpful, especially in a one shot. Uh, <laughs> hey, you've still got two freebies. You, you do have two. Us. They're coming. They're coming. Jeez, give me time. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I'll go with the marshal asking a, a question mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't have anything for a clue. Oh, okay. I kind of do. But I'll go with I'll go with the I'm genuinely curious as to what the marshal's question is and what my answer is going to be. (laughs) 
So Marshall, uh, in the course of this conversation, what do you ask Angel? Uh, Speaking of your large skill set, how is it that one acquires such a breadth of skills as you have, mate? Carefully, over time, you'll find in our society, when a woman doesn't wish to be noticed, it's, it's easy to be invisible. And so there's all manner of things, watching, turned by observing, listening, experimenting, without anyone being the wiser. Uh, as the two of you are having this conversation, I think Angel has stood up as if preparing to leave to go and investigate this uh, bottle of Ghost Be Gone. When you hear the door open and close to the jail proper, is your office door usually open or closed, Marshall? Open. Open. Uh, then you see from your desk, I think you, you specifically have your desk placed in the room so that you can see who comes into the jail. You see Deputy Wainwright holding a set of documents in one of his hands, rolled up like you would a newspaper. When he enters, he immediately spies you. I think Angel is uh, out of view at first, blocked by your wall. And so he, he spies you and his eyes light up a little bit and he walks up eagerly and it's like, Marshall, uh, I, I just, the most incredible thing. He's crossed the threshold of your doorway and sees Angel suddenly there. And, and he's, oh, uh, well, I I, I su- suppose that this is uh, information that would do well for the both of you. Uh, it better be damn important, Deputy. Uh, what have I told you about interrupting me while I'm taking a meeting? It's, does it, does that happen to follow the same rule as, as when you're in the bath, Marshall? I mean, never is a good time. Never is a good time to interrupt me in a bath. Deputy, what is it? What's the news? Yes, uh, sorry. Oh, I I just remembered what, and he goes over and he like knocks on your doorway and then is like, Marshall, can I come in? He's already standing inside. Yes, Deputy, come on in. Oh, uh, well, uh, to answer uh, your your question, Angel, so you told me to, to keep my eyes peeled as far as this uh, uh, doc, Dr. Clarkson character, right? And so I was doing my, you know, doing my job, going around, talking to people, uh, as you would have me do, Marshall, as you would have me do. And, well, I heard the strangest thing while I was visiting with old, old Tessa Schuster at, at the general store. I went in and I, I described this man's character to her and she said it sounded like something familiar. She's got all this pile of news clippings in, in the back. She collects things from kind of all over the all over the state, of course. She's rifling through and she handed me an article about back in San Antonio years ago. Uh, it was just a clip and I couldn't tell exactly when it was. There was a, a Jebediah F. Clarkson there who who died, was murdered. I don't know if it relates to our man, but the name was the same and the general description matched. That is quite the puzzling bit of news you brought me. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, Deputy. Yeah, I, I, I figured, Miss uh, uh, Angel, it's, it's something that you would be uh, interested to hear as well. It's Now, people tell me all the time that my intuition is sometimes, uh, uh, well, not what they would like it to be. And it seems, even to me, that this is a suspicious character that's come to town. Deputy, you have the most keen observation skills that I have 
I have encountered this... The deputy blushes. This minute. The marshal takes notice to the deputy blushing. Uh, she picks up the, the vial, puts her hand out mm-hmm. for the newspapers. Yeah, he gives you the clippings. So she bids the marshal adieu and heads back to her saloon. As you're leaving, I'm going to call out, you have yourself a fine rest of your day, ma'am, and uh, when you get a answer to what we were talking about earlier, please do be sure to come back and tell me. You'll be the, the second to know. <laughs> I take it you'll be the first. <laughs> Brother Gideon somewhere. God will be the first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, death over here no (laughs) I hate it I hate it but Angel takes her leave with the bottle of Ghost Be Gone as well as the newspaper clippings that is your one of the two clues I owed you from the night from the assemblage and that is a, a story that a Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson from San Antonio was murdered years ago um, so you may add that to your clues. So, Angel's departed with your most recently acquired clue. However, the deputy still stands here, and he stands here actually a little bit awkwardly, Marshall, uh, because in that group of documents, one was kind of the collection of clippings about that that event in San Antonio. Was the other the wanted poster he found last night? Yeah, the other, he, he'd kind of kept it rolled up, even as he was talking about the the first he, he hadn't shown that to Angel or anything while she was still here, but he grips it a little bit tightly in his hand. Was there something else, deputy? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll just... Uh, my, my mother's always telling me to just come come right out and say it, boy. Uh, uh, M- Marshall... He lays out the wanted poster and he rolls it out. It, do you... Do you know this man... Did you have a twin brother and you never told me? David, what if I told you? I thought we were close, Marshall. David, what if I told you that my plan inside my head to talk the bounty hunter down was that it was my twin brother? Well, what if I, that was also what I had in my head? What if I'm laying the foundation for you, my dude? What if we're there? Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. <clears throat> Can you give me his line again? Yeah, so he he rolls out the wanted poster there on the table and, and he points to it and says, uh, M- Marshall is... Do you know who this man is? Do you... He leans in close. Do you have a twin brother that you never told me about? I I, I gotta say, uh, my Marshall, I thought that we were, we were close. Marshall Jefferson Stockley is going to look at Deputy Wainwright mournfully you know deputy it's times like this when i'm sure glad that i appointed you as my deputy you remind me so much of the great detective skills that my predecessor had he blushes again skills that i don't necessarily have myself when it comes to enforcing the law well, gee, Marshall, that's, that's mighty, mighty kind of you to say. It's why we make such a good balance, you and I. Except, of course, when you interrupt my baths. But, yeah, that, 
That is always a, a re regrettable occurrence. Yes, Deputy. That is, in fact, my twin brother. Unfortunately, he uh, shows a different path in life, and it's something that I have to deal with every now and again when some drifter comes into town and mistakes me for him. I've gotten pretty used to having to defend myself, defend my honor when it comes to him. Oh, Ma Marshall, I, I had no idea that this was such a su such a soft spot for you. I, I apologize for ruining your morning. Well, seeing as it is pretty well ruined at this point, why don't you go on into your desk and help me file this paperwork involving the deaths of Jose and Clive? He does a rough salute. Can, can do, Marshall. I, I, I'll get right on that. You you can count on me to, to brighten your day this afternoon, maybe. I do hope so, Deputy. I do hope so. He grabs a couple of documents there from your desk and takes them over to his and uh, starts getting to work. Uh, he gets pretty absorbed in what he's doing fairly quickly. Marshall, you step out of your office you hear a voice coming from the third cell, the one furthest away. Marshall. The cells themselves, I'm imagining, extend off to the left, leaving that third cell only partially in view of the deputy's desk. And even then, he would have to be turning, you know, hard to his own left in order to see it, uh, since his desk faces inwards towards the door. And you hear the familiar sound of a mug running against the bars from that third cell, which means that your regular guest is back in his cell. You're not really sure when he got there. You didn't remember checking him back in this morning mm -hmm. or anything like that, but he's back there now. The deputy doesn't look up from his documents. He appears to just be engrossed in them. Or, as we know, sort of, sort of in the audience, he does not hear this at all. But it's not out of your routine for you to regularly mm -hmm. kind of review the jail cell, make sure nobody's left anything that shouldn't be there, or uh, review their safety, their security, that sort of thing. So so he's banging the cup? Yeah, he just lightly, you hear the clink, 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 clink as the mug rolls along the bars. And Marshall, you had to go and have a look. Del Sol, is that you I hear making that racket in your cell again? He says as he approaches the jail cell. Deputy Wainwright bring you in to sleep it off yet again. He's running the mug idly against the bars. You can see that he's actually laying in the cot, lazily running the tip of the mug against the bars. He looks up to you. He's got a straw hat that's in ill repair that's blocking what little sun there is coming in from the high window in his cell from getting in his eyes. You can see his whole upper half of his body and all of his tattoos of of suns and stars and other celestial bodies on his wire-thin frame. As he's shirtless here in the cell, he's just got a simple pair of trousers on. No socks, no shoes. He's well tanned from his time in the sun. As he's running the cup along the bars and you announce yourself, asking if he's there, he says to you, mm, is, that, is that you, Marshall? How much did you have to drink this time? <laughs> what didn't I drink last night? Oh, man. I, my whole tab just... Uh, 
after a point. I just have no memory at all. And he tips his hat back and makes eye contact with you from the bed. What about you, Marshall? I heard voices here this morning reminding you of things long gone. Adel Soul, you know we don't necessarily need to talk about me. Marshall, I'm so simple. Ugh. Ah, oh, my life is just the bottle and, well, this, this cot, but you, look at you, big man about town, you, you've got so much more in your life than mine. Well, as it were, I seem to have a new thorn in my side that rolled into town yesterday. Goes by the name of Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson, peddling some sort of snake oil. You know me, I don't take too kindly to peddlers in my town. Why I tell you these things, I, I still don't know, but you always seem to seem to have some sort of insight on situations. Probably your barfly nature. People say all sorts of things to... Yeah, the town drunk. Especially when you're behind closed doors. I noticed that you closed your door this morning when Eli came in. Well, you know, there's some things that are private, personal. Away from prying ears. And he's gonna look real hard at (laughs) Del Sol when he says prying ears. I don't have ears. (laughs) Uh, well he like puts his hands to his head oh no there they are dear god you really did drink a lot last night didn't you like I said let's keep the conversation off of me for the most part what what have you heard about our interesting friend dr Jebediah F. Clarkson. Do you know anything about him? Have you have you heard whispers? And at this point, I need to roll. I was going to say, like that sounds like a good place for you to roll the sensitivity. Uh, so. The move is the cellmate. Yep. Uh, and move is the cellmate. Del Sol, when consulted, you roll the sensitivity. Yep. On a seven to nine, you will gain a clue, and he will reveal it in a way that reflects his current disposition, which is as a uh, a friendly drunk, in this case because of the moss-covered gate, he makes frequent references to that which is hidden, especially things that take place behind closed doors or in the distant past. And on a 10 plus, he he gives you two clues. Jeez, he's Del Sol is helpful, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, give me that uh, sensitivity roll. I have a minus one to sensitivity. So roll high. Pulling for you. Holy shit. No. A six and a five. I nice. rolled an 11 on the dice, so that's a 10, my dude. And on a 10 plus, you gain two clues. Oh, boy. <sighs> All right. Nice. Thank you, dice gods. The dice gods have smiled upon me this evening. God, I think I think that's the best roll I've ever had in this entire show. Like, across all arcs, that's the best roll I've ever had. Del Sol smiles wide in a... A friendly, genial way. This is probably, this is the kind of disarming smile that 
gets you past a bouncer at a club or gets you an extra drink from the bar. He flashes you that smile and tips up his hat a little bit further again to to make better eye contact with you, Marshall. And I think he actually sits up and is caught so you can have this conversation more face-to-face. Well, (laughs) Marshall, I, uh, I can tell you all about the darkness in that man's heart, where he comes from, where he's going, and what all that's been that you, he like points his arm vaguely in your direction, that you, well, you'd never be able to find out for yourself. And he sits back. You hear the groan of the cot. He lays his back against the wall. But you got to give me a little something first. I know you've got a bottle in your office. <laughs> oh, I just, I can't remember any. It's all... It's all dark up here. Ah, oh, my mind's so clouded from this awful hangover I have. Well, Del Sol, you old drunk. You know I don't really like to inspire people to keep on with their poor habits, but seeing as you're so helpful while you're here, I, I, I see no trouble in that. And he'll go off to his office. The camera stays on Del Sol for a moment longer. His eyes linger on the marshal walking to grab the bottle. Yeah, some habits never leave, do they, marshal? It's your eternal keeper, David, here with a little episode mid-break. This episode is a bit longer than our norm, so now's a great time to grab a snack or a drink, or just pay a little closer attention to the road while you're driving. That semi is about to cut you off. Just saying. Speaking of cutting you off, I am loath to interrupt your foray into today's episode, but... I simply must impose upon you to make a show recommendation for when you finish ours. You see, the last time I directly shouted out two weeks one shot on the show was back when we were airing our Game of Undying about two years ago, which is just too long for such a great show, one that you'd probably like if you enjoy ours. Two Weeks One Shot is a variety actual play podcast like us, but without pesky system restrictions. So, better? If you're liking our spooky West action here, they have a wonderful Weird West arc playing Deadlands, which I hear even has a train in it. Although my favorite is their short arc playing Big Motherfucking Crab Truckers, which is everything that I just described. They're on break right now because of the miracles of childbirth, but a new kid in their family is no reason for you not to listen to their backlog. So check out their promo at the end of the episode today to get your own little taste or follow the link in the show notes for the real deal. For now, more of this coming right your way. Bye-bye. I want us to pick up with Brother Gideon. Brother Gideon, where are you here midday? Where would you be found at noon? At noon? I think he's taking his his, uh, midday lunch at the saloon. Yeah. At the bar. 
And if they don't have food, that's fine. <laughs> Lunch all the same. Uh, sh- she's got a cook, so definitely has food. Heck yeah. Uh, Angel, what's popular at the saloon? What's what's the what's the good good? This time of year, rattlesnake, chicken hmm. with rice and a Berblanc sauce and topped <laughs> with what peas. The fuck? No, no, I don't. I don't think that's. <laughs> well, they weren't calling it that yet. Though. I'll have that's a bowl of your finest cocoa vin, please. <laughs> I would like uh, chicken pate. There's no reason that her chef can't be classically trained. Yeah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah no. Uh, essentially, yeah. Yes, do you have the palm de frites? <laughs> <laughs> Not this time of year. Yeah. How about a nice pate? No. <laughs> we don't mince our meat here. We don't have enough grain. We don't mince our meats, just our words. To overfeed right. the geese. Okay. So, are you eating the special and, and having a drink then, Brother Gideon? Yeah. Heck yeah. What is your libation of choice on, on today? Oh, it's it's whiskey. Whiskey? Always. Yeah, so, for now, it's uh, a nice whiskey. Uh, you drink it straight on the rocks. Oh, he has it neat. Neat. So, it's there in your tumbler. I don't know how many glasses in you are, but more than one, I think. And as you're sitting up at the bar, taking bites out of your chicken taking sips of your drink you hear the saloon doors clatter as someone new comes in you actually hear eli the grave digger you hear his voice yep he's actually i don't want to get too close to my conductor uh what's our what's our grave digger sound like no a dumb voice or does he have not that one just sort of sound like this it's an awful voice. I don't do like the, it. Do the sun mask guy you did earlier. Well, but he he exists in this game. How, no, he doesn't. How about a Sean Connery? No, it's a Sean, Sean, Sean. A grave digger. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm, name is Eli. I'm a Russian national who's <laughs> defected to the United States. <laughs> grave digging is my trade. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if, if I'm a grave voice, digger, we, we have to keep this bit that explains the voice. Uh-huh. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> uh, damn it. All right. But I will, though. The uh, joke can just be that he sounds like Sean Connery. We yeah. don't have to like give it a whole the whole backstory of why it's as funny to us as it is. You're right. And my Sean Connery impression is not that good. Are we really going for that? I think we are. He's a grave digger. But that's what would make it so much better to go against the stereotype. <laughs> he just walks up to you and he just sounds like Sean Connery, Pat. Don't you want that? Excuse me. Have you heard? The news. Well, <laughs> the news. I can only blame myself. Just think snowman from Courage the Calorie Duck. And you I'm got the it. snowman. 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 All right. We... We briefly hear Eli at the door, guiding someone into the saloon. Uh, you can usually find uh, Brother Gideon. Oh, yes, uh, he's right over there at the at the counter. He should he should be able to help you. Sorry again for for your loss. I'll take care of the body. A woman approaches you, Gideon, from the door. She is slight and young, 
you wouldn't expect her to be a mother of two already, but she is. Her children are not with her, but Penelope Pryor, uh, wife of Avery Pryor, who, through the unseen, we saw die the previous evening. She approaches you, her, her face is red and puffy. When she sees you, she almost breaks into tears again. You see her close her eyes for a minute and take a step towards you. Oh, Brother Gideon, it's just... I don't know what I'm going to do. I... Sorry, uh... Avery, he... He died last night. I... He had us, me and, and the kids, uh, holed up in our our bedroom. He barricaded it from this this ghost that's been haunting us. He's done this a couple of nights now, but this morning he he didn't open the door for us, and I. I climbed out the window and I went inside the the house that the front door was open and he was just there empty on the floor and I don't know what we're going to do Gideon puts his drink down and gets up and goes over to her and says, My dear sweet woman, I am so sorry. And he pulls her into a hug. Yeah, she cries just a little bit more softly into your shoulder. Come. I can take more food later. I'll walk with you and we can speak about what transpired away from the prying ears of folks who may or may not have wagging tongues. And he glances around the saloon to see who's suddenly looking much more closely at whatever they have. (laughs) I think damn near half the saloon is. It's not every day that, you know, a crying woman comes in and asks for the preacher. So I think she nods, wipes her face, and you lead her out the saloon doors. Where do you take her? Uh, I figure we should take her home. We're going to take our time. It's going to be a slow mosey. Since it's just outside of town, you you hoof it. Uh, the two of you walk together. On your way, you pass the schoolhouse where Lorelai, I think you've gone outside. I think you're uh, fussing about with some of the planters out front. Pulling a little bit off of your scene earlier with the flowers that you picked by the riverside, you've become accustomed, maybe it's part of your daily ritual, to tend to the flowers in their beds out front of the schoolhouse. And you see Brother Gideon passing by with a a woman who's clearly been crying. Brother Gideon, the two of you are passing Lorelei Chambers. I think the two of you for a moment lock eyes. Do either of you say anything to each other? I'll just raise my eyebrows. Brother Gideon pauses and waves and then turns to uh, Miss Pryor. We'll call her Mrs. Pryor, actually. Yeah. I do apologize, but would you mind too terribly if I brought along an acquaintance to bounce ideas off of while I listen to your tale? 
I... Sure. She is, like myself, on the Vigilance Committee, and I believe your tale will have some interest to her as well. I think she nods. Sure. I... If you think it'll help, I... I'll accept anything at this point. Lorelai, if you have the time, I would be most appreciative if you could join us. Uh, absolutely. She'll pat off the the dirt that is accumulated on her skirt uh, and set a couple of garden tools back toward the stairs leading up to the schoolhouse. She'll she'll come over to Penelope, still gloved hands. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll take her hands in hers. I've seen enough crying widows in my time to put together pretty quickly what's happening. And so I don't even know that that I say anything. I don't think I do. I just sort of clasp her hands in mine and look at her meaningfully. Yeah, she holds yours tightly and, and says, Thank you for for coming along, for, for helping. I think today I would much appreciate not being alone. And Lorelai will not just nod. Yeah, the three of you head across town, uh, across outside of town to the prior family home. It's a small homestead. Uh, it's not in the rundown state that the Carson estate was when you visited that recently. But it is humble, and the door still is unlocked and open out front. Penelope Pryor, as she leads you towards it, says, you won't have to worry about my my children. After I found Avery this morning, I I had my uh, my cousin uh, lives in town. She She's taken them for the day and is looking after them. It's just us here hopefully unless that horrible creature shows up again that's good it would be best not to involve the children unless we absolutely have to she leads you inside uh, through the open door mm, actually um, before we go into the door yeah brother Gideon will will stop and gently put his hand on her shoulder. I do not wish to traumatize you further. So what say we have you wait out here a spell while we check on the condition of your home? And perform the rites. I... I don't want to be apart from him. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Give you the opportunity. She goes in with you. I do think that his body, it's still lying where it was on the ground. She didn't move it. But she has covered the top half with, uh, I think there was a table runner on their small dining table. Uh, and she pulled that off, oil stains and all, and draped it over him uh, there on the ground. And her voice hitches a bit in her throat when she enters still. And she goes, she goes silent. But she gestures to him and she crosses the room to a rocking chair and she sits down and kind of watches you both work. But she is kind of quiet and reserved for now. 
What are the two of you doing at the scene? Well, Lorelai is hella confused. Because generally, she knows when somebody dies in this town. So uh, she's going to go over to the body and try to figure out, is he not actually dead? Did whatever happened to him keep him away from her somehow? Yeah, uh, this sounds like an information move. Um, it sounds like you also might be applying kind of your connection to the supernatural in a way. Is Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Okay. How would you go about investigating it? What does that look like for Lorelai to do? After checking to make sure that it's okay with Penelope, which would probably be done with a look and not really with words, Lorelai would take the... You said that he was covered, right? Yeah, he's covered by a sheet, Yeah, essentially. So she would take that sheet back just like basically to like his his chest mm-hmm. level. And like she said that horrible creature, so we already have a little bit of a a key that obviously something is supernatural going yeah. on here. Well, and also she was directed to kind of come after. Yeah. And it's, you know, the wounded knight. So mm-hmm. you can pretty much put together that it was probably a ghost. But she's looking for what has happened to him, mm-hmm. basically checking over his body and I think maybe looking into his eyes as well. Okay. Uh, give me that roll. Okay. And then we'll ask Gideon and see what he's up to. It's been a million years. Two, two D6? Two die six. You're going to add your sensitivity. Cool. This is the information move. That is a nine. Hey, a nine. Plus two. Ooh, is 11. 11. Yeah. 11, 11 is a full success, uh, which means you find a clue, uh, and I'll tell you what it is. So before we get to that, uh, Brother Gideon, what are you doing while Lorelai is investigating the body? Brother Gideon does a quick uh, once-over of the area all around, looking for any peculiarities. Mm-hmm. Now, you said it was a ghost at this. And that it's been haunting you for some time. She nods. Yes. uh, It's been four nights now. And the last three, it was only ever so brief. Uh, It it scared us. The children, we, we ran. But after the good Dr. Clarkson came to town, we... We were more comfortable trying to defend ourselves at home. Oh, that's right. I, I rager he sees all the previous attempts stuff, the stuff that I think. I yeah, the, yeah, the inside of this house, uh, the outside of the home looked fairly normal, if a bit humble. The inside looks like the Carson estate in that there is just religious paraphernalia everywhere. There is like sage ash strewn across the ground. There's. All sorts of stuff. That's right. I, I think I, I was in charge of that scene. So there's also yeah. salt now scuffed and kicked, red brick mm-hmm. dust, horseshoes, anything. Yeah. And a empty bottle of Ghost Be Gone on the table. Hmm. Now for those first nights, those first few nights, did the specter make any progress? Like say night one, did he start off 
briefly in a doorway the next night a few steps further to be honest with you I, I don't really know what he did uh, after the first night where we ran uh, when we came back in the morning well we, we started doing all this trying to ward and protect our home and we would hide I what kills me the most is I I truly don't know what happened to Avery he has no wound he's just gone and it happened the night that merchant shall we say came by time you wouldn't have happened to have purchased any of his wares, would you have? She nods and points to the empty bottle on the table. I fear... I fear the ghost sensed the danger, and that made him more violent with Avery. Gideon picks up the bottle. Yeah. A little sniff at the rim. It smells generally unpleasant. It is acrid... It is festering a little bit. Feted. Um, fetid. Yeah, fetid is good. It's it's fetid. And it's faint. It's like if a LaCroix was ass-flavored. <laughs> <laughs> so just a LaCroix. Oh, so just a LaCroix. Oh, my God. LaCroix, if you'd like to sponsor us, don't. <laughs> That's so good. All right. He recoils away from the uh, open neck of the bottle. I do not doubt that danger did raise its head the moment this bottle entered here. Hmm. What are your thoughts on this, Lorelai? Lorelai, let's give you your clue real quick. Yeah. You've been inspecting this body. I think as, as he asks that, she has one finger from the collarbone tracing down just a bit. I don't know if there's any uh, evidence on the body of the soul leaving, but. I think for you, there is. I think for you, it is clear and evident that the soul, like, I think because you have removed souls from bodies before. You have removed them and you've carried them to their destination. This soul was removed and not by you. It did not leave here so willingly. Um, it was extracted. And in the same way that you can tell with a body when they've been in a fight before going down, you, you look under the fingernails, you look for abrasions, you you see those telltale signs. There are some of those with Avery, but they're mild, as, as if the scuffle was brief. And for you, not just the physical ones, but those deeper those more transcendent elements, you see the signs of a struggle. And I give you a clue here. Do you have the cosmic passage marked? You might have it marked by default for your character, though. I do not. Okay. Isn't that the final death one? No. Blood Soaked Portal is the final one. Yeah. Within, within his eyes you see a glint of something. Something 
not resembling a soul, something left behind. We don't see this. Lorelai stays there. She's just staring at the face, at the form of this young man. But you stare into his eyes and Lorelai, it's like you enter there and you grab hold of whatever that glinting thing is. We're back with you here in the physical realm and you have one hand on his lapel lifting him slightly off of the the planks of the floor and in your other hand you don't see anything but you feel in your hand something physical a familiar shape actually familiar to you even from this morning because this morning in your hand you held a large rusted key one that you used to unlock your sealed box in your hand you feel the presence of a key but when you open it to look you cannot see anything there Interesting. I'm going to write down ghost key? Yeah. Uh, This is a spectral key. uh, And I'll say that it is only visible at night. Okay. Well, I have a thing I'm thinking about using that on. She'll hold it in the palm of her hand. Obviously, to everyone else, it just looks like she's staring at her hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she'll just slip it into the pocket of her skirt. Still looking at Avery, she'll ask, Do you want to know what happened to him? And she'll look up at Penelope. Will that bring you peace? Even if it isn't peaceful nothing nothing will bring me peace but I do want to know more than anything she'll sort of stare at Penelope a little bit longer reading her and deciding if this would be best deciding how to how to put it he fought so hard for you i can see it in him i can see the struggle he put up he protected you until the very last moment but the fight wasn't enough. She's crying now. I think she's cried so many tears today that her her capacity for chest heaving, body racking sobs is gone. Yeah. Um, there's just wet trails at the edge of her eyes, dripping down her face. And I think she turns to Brother Gideon and just asks, Will I see him again? All good God-feared couples will see each other in the hereafter. 
clearly by his actions, God-fearing is the definition of your goodly husband. Avery was not without his sins in life, but I believe his heart was was right. And if he has made his peace with the Almighty, then I can assure you that you having done the same will see him again. And she wipes her cheeks. I'd like to... I'd like to just be with him for a minute, if that's all right with you. I think it's time for me to say my goodbyes. It's good to get some private farewells in before any services. We'll leave you to it. As you head outside, Brother Gideon, Lorelai, the two of you step outside the door. I'm assuming we're going to wait for her. I don't feel comfortable. No, as you said earlier, she doesn't want to particularly be alone today. She just wanted a a moment. Well, and Um, I don't want to leave her out here. Yeah. On her own. As the two of you step out onto the front porch, Brother Gideon, you realize that you actually carried the bottle of Ghost Be Gone out with you. And this is your first time taking a more serious look at one of these. I think you're kind of idly flipping it over in your hands. And as you do so, your fingernail catches on the edge of the label on the bottle. Uh, This is one of the other two clues that I owe you that you're going to get here. You pluck at that because you see a little bit of something on the other side. And as you peel back the label, you can see that on the reverse side, it is covered in some archaic, arcane, heretical, you're not sure, but some kind of script that is over every square inch of the label of this bottle. And this writing looks old, very old. And the label itself, you realize, is printed on something that to your fingertips feels like it might brittly fall away at any moment. Like it itself is something ancient. What would the name of that clue be, David? Uh, this clue, actually, I kind of combined two, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked what, where two of them were going. Um, but this is a, a old-looking scroll of strange arcane writings Okay. Um, that so happens to be on the inside label of A Ghost Be Gone. Okay. So could I say ancient scroll? scroll? I, would, I would say ancient arcane label. Okay. <laughs> we'll call it. Uh, and as the two of you stand here on the porch, I think Eli comes up. Uh, he tips his hat and says, It seems that I'm visiting with all of the committee today. I had already forgotten. About <laughs> Never forget. I had already forgotten that uh, shit. He, I think, specifically looks to you, Brother Gideon. Uh, would you care, brother, uh, to help me with the body? Absolutely, though. One moment. The missus is having a moment inside. Oh. I think it's a moment much needed. Well, thankfully, I'm free today. I, We can wait as long as it takes. And he stands out front with the two of you. And you wait for a while um, until Penelope comes out 
and she taps you on the shoulder, Brother Gideon, and gestures inside, and you and Eli go in, and you perform the final rites for Avery Pryor. Fun fact. Yeah. That's a, that's a Catholic thing. Well, yeah. I guess in this case, I'm more saying maybe Gideon says a word. Uh, sure. Yeah, because there were all kinds of like, uh, it would be pretty common. A benediction. To, like, what I'll say, what I'll say is, is that there's no a special rite yeah, definitely. tied to that moment, you know, to, or the first time you discover the body. Uh, the Catholic Church and, and similar churches like that, it's a rite, a ritual that they must do to yeah. do the thing. It's just, it, he says a little prayer. Yeah. Gideon says a little prayer, and you and Eli work on moving the body out of there, and Lorelai, you keep, um, you keep Penelope company. Once you've collected the body and worked with Eli, I think he has a cart waiting outside that he, he went and grabbed after speaking with Penelope earlier today. From the opposite pocket, from the one I put the key in? Yeah. Uh, I pull out uh, a small sort of daisy-like flower and I give that to her. She accepts it from you and I think she gives you a little smile back, but it's the kind that doesn't reach her eyes. I think Brother Gideon, you go with Eli in his cart. Before leaving, there's something I do want him to do. Yeah, go for it. As we're about to leave, Gideon takes another look at the bottle. He hands it off to Lorelai with a quick... You may feel free to give this a whiff if you dare. <laughs> I love the hard H in there. Yeah. And he turns back to, to a Penelope. We will get through this. However, I do not want to start a panic. So what I tell you now, I ask that you keep it under your bonnets. He means none of that. He wants her to spread this story. I fear that since there were three, four peaceful nights and the Haynes did not get aggressive until you bought that cursed bottle, I fear that bottle, that ghost be gone, does the exact opposite of what he says it does. I think it does not lay spirits to rest but rather riles them into action. Terrible business. But we don't want the entire town barking down this good gentleman's door. So you hold on to that little fact and know that we'll do our best to get to the bottom of this. You could also offer to buy her a meal at the saloon. What better place for her to spread the word about it than after you've left her at the saloon. <laughs> actually, this is perfect. Yeah. I was actually going to suggest Lorelai will pat her hand again and say, uh, if you talk to Angel, I'm sure that she can set up a room tonight for you and your children. Oh, Angel's already planning on hiring her. <laughs> to, she's gonna, Angel's going to start a childcare service a daytime childcare service and uh, charge a modicum fee to have Penelope watch over the the children. That way, Penelope has employment. Angel makes a little. Mm -hmm. Angel is such an opportunity. <laughs> no, no, she's an entrepreneur. 
<laughs> she's an industrious woman. But she's she's not going to load that on her today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this is the long-term play. Tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think Penelope, she, she seems a bit shell-shocked from Brother Gideon's words. And when you offer to take her to a, a place to a safe place to sleep tonight to be, um, she accepts your kindness and you head back into town. Meanwhile, at Angel's Golden Sun Cup, Angel, you arrived back earlier this day with a bottle, a full bottle of Ghost Be Gone in your possession. Uh, You expressed an interest in better understanding how it is, what it is composed of, yeah, she's investigating the whole thing. Yeah, what do you have in mind for that? Uh, so I imagine she has a sort of lab-type area just off of the kitchen mm-hmm. for, we'll say, experiments. Yeah, just starting a pharmacy. Secret mad scientist, I'm here for it. <laughs> Counterfeiting. Uh, you know, <laughs> whatever. You're a local chemist. Normal stuff, don't worry about it. So she takes it over there. She's going to do some chemical analysis uh, like she's read about uh, overseas with the uh, Germans and Austrians. Mm -hmm. Determining what types of elements, maybe looking for metals, particularly things that she knows specifically affect supernatural beings in various ways be it, you know, compounds that either protect against, like with sodium uh, chloride, or things that uh, attract or otherwise agitate them. So just doing a general chemical analysis on various drops. I I love that we go back back behind the counter at Angel's establishment. And there's just like a home chemistry set. Yeah. Or I guess it's more appropriate, I would say, to say in this time period and where she's drawing inspiration from, like a home alchemist set. Fair. Uh, here in the back to but distill hey, like, it to yeah. its root elements. As long as we have like cabbage, we can do like pH tests and stuff. And, yeah. and um, to be fair, I'm, I'm not talking just alchemy. She's doing science and alchemy because the gentleman I'm referring yeah, yeah, yeah. to are folks that end up what who had ended up winning like the Nobel Prize type accolades yeah. of the of the time? I feel like I just this can't is, remember yeah. the can't remember his damn name because I I read it like <laughs> like two years ago, but yeah. <laughs> well, how about this? Uh, this sounds to me like an information move. Yes. Um, and this is with. I mean, I can't imagine this with anything other than reason for sure okay so that's a seven plus one i believe gives you an eight that's a mixed success that's uh, good let's use a mask oh you're gonna upgrade to a full success clean clue let's see we want to take this guy out i hear that i mean you're gonna get a clue either way it's just i just also like one. building her backstory so really any excuse then if your scene, if your next prompt, because it sounds like you want to continue your masks of the past, if your next mask of the past 
uh, is one that you can integrate and like kind of justify along with this scene, then let's do that next. Otherwise, we can pick that scene up uh, at the end of the day phase. Uh, I can integrate it. Okay. We, we see Angel over several glass instruments, a mortar and pestle that she's gripped some of it into uh, and added some other things to see how it reacts. We've got a whole setup back here as she's applying her, her interests to this bottle and its contents. And we flash from that to a scene following this girl whose life has run parallel to Angel's. Uh, what's your next prompt uh, for your Mask of the Past? Narrate a flashback working side by side with the bootstrapper. You notice them, but they don't notice you. Yeah. What is this scene? What scene? This is our first introduction of your actual player yes. character in your backstory. Yes. So. The girl is in this, this workshop late at night for this doctor. The doctor is long retired. She's doing her chores. The bootstrapper, Angel, is a thin, black-haired girl, hair tied back with goggles on and working diligently at a workbench, trying to plate a new type of metal on top of an existing coin, as she had seen the doctor attempt to do. As Angel's working on on these experiments, she flashes back to to this time where she's working on this other bench where she first learned about chemicals and and reagents and and how they can be combined, not noticing the girl behind her watching her and working also for this doctor. Yeah. That brings you to a full success. So you're just going to gain a clue from this. You are able to distill two core elements from this. Or I should say elements. I I really mean compounds. Two compounds that you are certain are part of the mixture for Ghost Be Gone are ink and urine. Can she tell if it's human or animal urine? Ooh, uh, I don't think you can tell. Um, I would make an argument that she might be able to, considering that like cat urine smells pretty different from. I mean, I would say you can make that kind of claim as part of your theory and theorize. Okay, fair enough. Um, But I would say for now we will limit it to uh, it is composed of ink and urine. Ew. Considering how many people probably drank this last night. Ew. We know of at least one. So, Marshall Jefferson Stockley. As always is true in your conversations with Del Sol, uh, you come back with the bottle and he takes a sip and he hands it back to you. Do you take a sip as well? Do you drink after the drunk? I feel like it would be rude not to take a drink yeah. as well. You take a Also, take it's a, my fucking bottle. Yeah, it's your bottle. I'm taking the drink. Yeah, you take a drink. You're getting it out. Uh, if you're getting it out. Yeah. And, I'm gonna get it out. I'm gonna pour one, pour one, you know. Hey. And he immediately launches into conversation that is unrelated to your original question. And you know that this is his bit. He never tells you exactly what you're looking for immediately. He talks about your life, the events of last night, 
Uh, you discuss that with him. You give the drink back. He takes a sip. He gives it back to you. You take a sip. You talk about uh, the shame of the death of those two men and those four fine horses. You hand the bottle to him. He takes a sip. He hands it back to you. You take a sip. And in one of these exchanges, Del Sol stops his face kind of flush with the alcohol. And he just looks you dead in the eyes and you know that he's answering your question now. And he just says to you, rope, chains, cords, barbed wire, ropes, chains, cords, barbed wire, ropes, Ropes. chains, Cords, barbed wire. Barbed wire. Good. Good. Remember that. Ropes, chains, cords, barbed, barbed wire. wire. Yes. Three makes a memory. Ropes, chains, cords, barbed wire. Yes. Ropes, chains, cords, barbed wire. Ropes, chains, cords, barbed wire. Got it. Yes. Is that the way to bind I, I think Dr. Clark? You start asking the question and he like, his eyes are kind of glassy and you know that he's already moved past whatever he was talking about. And he follows that up by saying, in the warehouse, in the corner, under the boxes, there is... A cage of bronze and symbols. Oh, they swim dark and mysterious in front of the eyes. Don't you just want to open it, Marshall? Don't you want to see what's inside? Yeah. <laughs> and and he smiles and he throws his head back. <laughs> like you've just told like the funniest joke. And he's just like fucking gone. I need you to promise me that you're gonna keep that long pregnant pause in <laughs> before he says yeah. The, the specific clue is there's a strange cage made of copper and marked with runes. And Del Sol described uh, that there is a warehouse, and in the corner, under some crates, there is... You said bronze and symbols. Did I say bronze instead of copper? Whatever I said earlier is what we'll stick with, but... I don't know. It's supposed either. to be copper, but I might have misspoke. But he, he throws back his head, and he laughs like you've told... Like, you are a comic, and you just told your last joke of the night, and it slayed. And find Good night. I've been Marshall Jefferson Stockley, everybody. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your waitresses. <laughs> oh, oh, Marshall. Oh. You do it for me. I, I do what for you? It. <laughs> Well, I was going to let you go, but it seems like you need to stay another night here. What? After 
after what we just shared, oh, I'm feeling awake. Like the darkness can no longer bind me. Don't you feel free, Marshall? No door can contain you, hold you back. I am pretty good at knocking down doors. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <sighs> oh, maybe a nap would be nice, though. Just a little one. And he leans his head back against the wall. Uh, his straw hat bumped forward, tilts down. I think a moment after the hat tilts down and his face is obscured, you hear from under the hat. (laughs) I got more filing to do anyway. And Marshall, you head back over to your desk and await your late afternoon appointment at Jebediah F. Clarkson's Ghost Be Gone Wagon. everybody we're the hosts of two weeks one shot a tabletop rpg variety podcast i'm alex i'm john i'm brian aka helix missionary and i'm harold and you can watch me play myself on my ongoing autobiographical one man play titled okay okay enough of that we play one shot campaigns in a variety of systems with a variety of guests from all around the TTRPG scene. You can also see me on the corner of Larchmont and Melrose doing Hamlet in Espanol, while I play the titular Hamletto, but this time with no pants. Harold, come on, man. Alex, I'm just doing the promo like you asked. Yeah, I meant a promo for the show, not for your acting resume. We've played all of your favorite systems. Dungeons and Dragons. Call of Cthulhu. Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Burn Bright. Vampire. The Requiem. Upriver, Downriver. Trash Pals. One Last Job. Apotheosis. You know, I would consider myself a classically trained actor. Are you guys familiar with the highly sought-after Uta Hagen method? What? You're literally the same character every adventure. No. With amazing guests like... I am Derek. I have a little podcast called How Not to DM. This is Chrissy. I am from Danger Dames. This is Mike from 19 Hits the Dragon. I'm Chris from Carney Sideshow. Hi, I am Zach, a.k.a. Conan Librarian. My name's John or uh, Hugin. Hey, what's up? It's me, your brother, Frank. And obviously, I bring a certain je ne sais quoi to every performance. I never trusted jellyfish as one of my space racism. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about how every time I run a game, you guys manage to find like the weirdest take you can possibly give on it. Have you accepted one of my bugs into your body so that we can communicate telepathically? No, get your bug. No bugs in my body. First sight of trouble. Shoot it! Shoot it with the gun! <laughs> find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search two weeks, one shot. Are we ever going to have a serious discussion about playing furry pirates? No. 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 I said red. I So I'll take that as a yes.